The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 87. With a total of 446 bridges, Pittsburgh has more bridges than any other city in the world. Amazingly, it has three more than Venice. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and whether this is your first time listening or we've been part of your daily ritual for years, I want to say thank you for tuning in today, making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And if you have listened before, then you're going to recognize today's guest, someone who has helped make every single one of my trips for about the last year, almost year and a half, better, and also who I'm going to dub right now the king of the carry-ons, <laughs> Fred Parada, founder of Tortuga Backpacks. Fred, thanks so much for coming on the show today and welcome. Thanks for having me. Do I get a t-shirt that says that? Yeah, we'll have to make them up. King of the <laughs> carry-ons, Fred Parada. Guys, I thought I was getting good at packing. You know, I, I always admonish you guys. I tell you, oh, just take a carry-on. That's it. I, I do it for all these trips and I always get into that and tell you to take a carry-on. And then me and Fred actually hung out in Washington State and I had just a carry-on, just my regular Tortuga, but it was like bursting at the seams and Fred shows up in his new sleek Tortuga and basically puts me to shame. So Fred, you are definitely the king of the carry-ons. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, that's a title I can be proud of. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the packing thing—you know—you get better over time. You've become a an expert at it, and I want to talk about two things on today's show. So, if you guys are listening, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what we're going to go on. One, of course, is packing, and we are going to touch on how anyone—I believe that literally anyone—I know Fred believes this too—can pack in just a carry-on. I am going to pepper Fred with a bunch of questions for his best packing tips. He's going to tell us exactly what he packs. You know what big items that people generally overpack, how they can cut down. And we're really just going to help you you know, become a packing genius. By the end of this podcast, you're going to know all the tips and tricks to pack in just a carry-on because both of us do it. So with our powers combined, Fred, we're going to make packing geniuses here. We can make some packing uh, princes and dukes and every other title. There we go. And then the second part that I want to touch on is Fred's entrepreneurial journey and the steps that you've had, Fred, to making a physical product because many of us are digital products slash website people. We talk about being location independent, all that stuff, but it's usually around digital products. You've actually gotten something made that is a whole different set of challenges and obstacles. And so I know a lot of listeners out there will have the questions of, you know, I, I have an idea for a physical product. How do I go about doing that? So we're going to touch on that with you and, and you can give us some of the tips and struggles and things that you've gone through in the second half of the podcast, if that's all right with you. Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome. Well, let's get into packing. I'm super excited. Packing, you know, kind of a nerdy thing for me, but but something I'm passionate about. I know you as well. Let's first start with you make a backpack and it's called the Tortuga Backpack. So let's, if people don't know, if they haven't read other posts or they haven't heard me talk about my Tortuga in the past, 
give us kind of an overview of what the Tortuga is. Sure. So the big thing is that we designed it for travel. A lot of people are traveling with bags that are really designed for hiking. The difference is maybe kind of subtle. So the biggest thing that people aren't used to if they've traveled with a hiking bag or different kind of backpack before is that the Tortuga and other bags in that category is front opening. So rather than just the top opening, like I like to compare it to a garbage bag, that's that's the bad way to pack. What the Tortuga does is the entire front opens, so a little bit closer to a suitcase. So you can get to everything and keep all your stuff organized, stays in one place. With a hiking bag where everything is kind of packed vertically in a big pile, if you have something that you need that's at the bottom, then you're dumping the whole top half of it worth of stuff out grabbing what you need, and then repacking the whole thing. I kind of learned the ropes, learned all these problems uh, on my first backpacking trip in Europe. And I had the classic tall, skinny hiking bag and quickly found out that it was not ideal to pack and unpack in a hostel dorm room. Yeah, Jason and I have done a show on tips for picking the right backpack. And that was the number one. That is the most important distinction is get a front loading versus a top loading because as you mentioned, when it's top loading, you have to take everything out, whereas front loading, you unzip it and it, it looks like a suitcase. So you see everything that's in your bag. You can get to things very easily. I'm amazed, Fred, at even in this day and age, like, I mean, it seems like a basic thing and I've known it. So I feel like other people know, it. you know, when I'm out on the road, 90% of the bags I see are the regular traditional hiking backpacks that are top loading. Why? Is it just that people don't know? I, I guess so. It still feels like uh, a bit of an uphill struggle to, to educate people on that. And, you know, whether it's a Tortuga or you like another kind of bag, that's the, the number one thing I would tell people to look for if you're looking for a new bag or to upgrade what you have is to be front loading. But there are definitely more bags now in the what I would call a travel backpack category. Even in the few years we've been doing this, we've seen some more people, either new brands or a brand like Timbuktu now has a bag with kind of a similar structure. A lot more people jumping into the category, but I think just that visual of what a hiking bag looks like and what a quote unquote backpacker looks like is very entrenched in people's minds. So, you know, if you go to REI or look on Amazon, whatever the local store is, that's still the majority of bags. So that's what a lot of people end up taking. And I know we're going to talk about packing in the moment here, but part of that is also that those bags are huge and people think they need to bring a ton of stuff. So they think they need the bag that's 65 liters, 80 liters. I mean, they make ones over 100 liters, which if you have any idea of the scale is pretty insane and probably as big as me. Yeah, and we'll run right with that into it. I we're, we're going to change people one by one. That's what we're going to do here, Fred, and and you're doing that with Tortuga. The travel backpack, and it is actually, you do see it classified out now sometimes on websites where it's like backpack or hiking backpack versus travel backpack. So it's starting to become a genre that actually exists, and some of that is, is you guys jumping into that market with you know a specific bag only made for what would be travelers, not hikers. And you mentioned a bunch of leaders, and that's an important distinction too. I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. So let's talk about size of bags and kind of what leaders equate to sizes that people might be familiar with. Yeah, it can be a little hard to uh, wrap your head around, especially Americans who are not used to anything being in leaders. The most important number in terms of leaders is 45, which is typically the demarcation line between what can be a carry-on, that'd be anything 
usually 45 liters and under uh, versus a bag that you would have to check, which is over 45 liters. The way that breaks down the probably the most common measurements for a carry-on, they differ by airline, unfortunately, but 22 by 14 by 9 inches. So it's kind of funny that the, that's measured in inches, but volume is in liters. It's a confusing industry, but that gives you a rough size of typically what's allowed for a carry-on. Some budget airlines and European airlines can be a little bit more strict, but that gives you kind of a good range to go on. I know people that have traveled with a little bit bigger bags and kind of condensed them down or just tried to make them look smaller to be able to get them on. I know you've done it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of a good line to to know if your bag is carry-on or not. You know, a lot of the hiking bags kind of start out there or even higher. Even the bag I mentioned traveling with on my first backpacking trip was, I think, 60 or 65 liters, something like that. So definitely had to check that bag. That is a great point that people should make. 45 liters, you know, anything bigger, you're going to have a hard time using as a carry-on. I mean, you like we said, we can sneak on stuff like that. But if you're looking to do it just in a carry-on, you should look for 45 liters or below. And that is very hard to find in a hiking bag. Sometimes you find ones that are like 30 liters, but then those are way too small. And that's why it's neat that you guys made basically just a travel backpack that is, you know, your Tortuga is exactly the standards of carry-on size, right? Yeah, it was nice. We didn't really have to think about exactly what size we wanted to make it because we wanted to make it take advantage of the space that the airlines will give you. So wanted to max that out without going over where people would have to worry about having to check it. And I know Patagonia has long time had a bag that they call the maximum legal carry on, which is made to to similar dimensions, but a good way of phrasing it. So then, Fred, we're talking here carry ons and we're giving them the sizes, but most people are still probably thinking, you guys are crazy because I don't care whether how many liters you're saying a carry-on is or whatever. I can't even visualize that exactly. How can you possibly pack in a carry-on when you're going for longer than... Well, for some people, how could they pack in a carry-on if they're going for a day? You know, I see people taking weekend trips with these two huge suitcases. So let's talk about the ways that people can jump on board and pack in a carry-on and also... I guess even before we talk about how they can, let's talk about maybe why they should, because if we can convince people why they should do it, it's a lot easier to then say, well, here are the tips to be able to do it. Yeah, well, the obvious reason is cost, right? Typically, to check a bag is going to be $25 each way, so that's an extra $50 that you're spending. So, you know, think about is are those extra outfits that you want to bring worth that extra money that you have to spend? But the, you know, sort of the less obvious reason, which I think a lot of people realize as they travel more is just the convenience. You know, you're not waiting at the baggage claim for half an hour, hoping that maybe your bag shows up, you know, you can travel light, you can move around quickly. If your plans change, that's not a problem. You grab your bag, you throw it on your back, or, you know, even if you had a suitcase, God forbid, you know, it's, it's still small and light and you can wheel it around wherever you need to go. And there's less physical and mental burden, which I think as people get used to carry a smaller bag and travel a lot, then that becomes more important to them and they appreciate that flexibility. Yeah, I know for me, you know, a lot of times if we're flying on award tickets, tickets booked with frequent flyer miles, you get the bags as a perk anyway, or I have credit cards that give me free check bags and things. So the money I think is number one for most people. And and it just makes sense, especially if you're going on trips where 
you know, you're going to take multiple flights and it's going to be 25, 50, 75, and you just keep getting dinged every single time you have to get on an airplane, which always stinks. So, but even for me, when I'm not getting dinged, I mean, there's been a bunch, the last like six flights I've had, I've been able to check a bag or I've been on Southwest where they, you know, advertise free check bags. And I just don't want to do it because of what you talked about. The, the convenience, A, I hate waiting at the baggage claim. There's the fact that your bags could get lost. Being in the plane with you, there's not really a chance your bags are going to get lost. You have that. You don't have to wait at the baggage claim. And as you mentioned, this abstract idea of mental baggage becomes really important the more you travel because you realize you might be traveling fast. You might be packing up in hostels. And, and every time that's like an extra five shirts you have to pack up and then you have to put it on your back and then you have to walk with it. And it really does become a burden. And if you can cut stuff out, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah, it's just more things to think about, right? Do I have this shirt? Do I have all of my gadgets, all of my chargers, all of this, all of that? Is it all in there? And there's just more more to be thinking about and more to be accounting for. If you have a big bag that's a huge hassle, then you have to think about, oh, can I get it in this cab? Do I have to stick it in the trunk? How am I going to get it up the three floors of walk-up steps to this uh, apartment I rented? Yeah, it literally is every step literally that you're taking is a burden when you have more on your back. Yeah, I think people, once they do it, they realize it's not impossible. I think it's the idea that, oh my gosh, you're talking about carry-ons. It's impossible to me. I can't even imagine how that would happen. And then they do it once and they little by little wean themselves down. So if you are someone who's not ready to take the leap exactly, just start taking stuff out. Make your bag smaller little by little. That's how I worked with Heather. She would carry like two big suitcases around. And then we whittled down to like one big suitcase. And then I bought her a carry-on size bag. I'm like, let's just give this a try. And and she's been able to do it. And she's a female, not like us, who, you know, could get by with one t-shirt and one pair of shorts and a pair of flip-flops. You know, she wants to look fashionable, she wants to look good, but she's found out ways to do it and to be in just a carry-on. So when we start looking at what should we put in our carry-on? What are the things that you get all the time when people are like, you know, I cut this out and it was a huge, like it just made all the world a difference. This is how I'm able to pack in a carry-on because I cut out these type of items. Before even getting to specific items, I think the first step is having a carry-on size bag. You know, if you're looking at your giant suitcase or hiking bag or whatever, and you start to pack, of course, you're going to fill it up at least most of the way, right? You have that space. So all of your well, maybe I should bring this kind of items end up in there. So the first thing is to force yourself to have that restraint. And, you know, you can quickly realize that the amount of stuff you bring is typically going to expand based on how much space you have. So when you have less space, you have that constraint to work within and forces you to to make some harder decisions about what you really want to bring and what you don't. Yeah, let's do a little confessional here because I'm going to confess on the air I have a backpack that's bigger than carry-on, not my Tortuga. And when I decide to bring that, and this hasn't happened in like a whole year, but the last trip that I decided to bring that on, you know, with all my packing acumen and all these rules that I'm setting forth for everyone else, I still filled that to capacity. It was full. Like It wasn't like, oh, I'm taking what would be in a carry-on and now it's in this bag. I'm just using this bag. It was completely full. So it was way over carry-on size. Is that the same with you? Like even with your packing skills now, when you get a bigger bag, do you naturally just fill it up? Or are you pretty pretty good about it? I can still be tempted into bringing extra stuff, especially, you know, I caught myself doing it with traveling with the Tortuga on a shorter trip, you know, say a long weekend or something where I pack relatively light normally. So, 
you know, if I'm going to a warmer climate, I might not need that whole bag full of stuff, even for a few days. And, you know, I look at it, there's some extra space there. Well, sure. Well, why not throw in another jacket? It might get cold. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So there we have it. Two packing quote unquote pros who admit that even we can't get past that. The bigger bag you have, the more you're going to fill it. It's going to be full. So like Fred said, first thing, you need to get a carry-on size bag before you can even start packing in it. What about now what they should pack or specifics on how to pack in a carry-on? The biggest thing that trips up a lot of people are shoes. And it's because they take up so much space and people want to have a lot of options. You know, even if you're on a pretty simple or short trip, you probably want to have a pair of tennis shoes or something comfortable to wear to walk around for the day. But you also probably want to have something a little bit nicer for going out to dinner or going out in general. And, you know, then some people want multiple options for sort of their going out shoes. So next thing you know, you have two, three pairs of shoes and that's half of your bag, even even at the carry-on size. So that's the number one thing where you kind of have to make some tough decisions. And what I usually tell people is, number one, out of all the shoes that you're bringing, to wear the biggest ones. So typically that's maybe a pair of boots or a pair of tennis shoes if they're, you know, kind of the bigger, not minimalist style ones. Those are typically the ones eating up the most space in your bag. So wear those on your flight so that that way you're not wasting all that space in your bag with the biggest pair. And then you can put a smaller pair. I like to wear boat shoes. Maybe women would pack a pair of flats. Even maybe flip-flops are your alternate if you're going somewhere more tropical. That way you're packing that smaller pair as opposed to a huge pair of boots or tennis shoes. Yeah, and speaking of shoes, I, I found a little bit of a hack here in that I used to also, you know, have sneakers. I, I needed a pair of sneakers. What if we're hiking or just walking around and then I'd have a pair of flip flops and maybe a pair I usually pack like boat shoes or loafers, like you said. You know, it used to be the sneakers. Then if I wanted to wear my loafers and I had to put my sneakers in my bag, they would never fit because they were much, much bigger than than the thing that they were placing. I have found that I'm the minimalist running shoes. I don't run a lot, but they're great as travel shoes. And I use the Merrill, uh, we'll link them up, but the Merrill barefoot trail glove or something like that. I think it's called the trail glove. They're minimalist running shoes. They're great for hiking. They still provide enough like rubber on the bottom that that you can hike around. We've done hikes with them plenty of times, but they really pack up. They're about half the size of a regular sneaker or less. So if anyone is like a guy or, or a female, that's one way to kind of get around the sneaker thing. If you don't need like a basketball shoe because you're not going to go play basketball, you just need something as a casual sneaker for hiking, maybe running, stuff like that. Definitely check out the uh, barefoot running shoes. They're, they're a great travel shoe to have. Yeah, I think that's a good compromise or kind of a nice shoe that's in the middle ground that can do a few things for you and, and still be pretty lightweight. With shoes, I've never really found the the perfect solution the same way that I think you can very easily tell someone what they should be looking for generally in a backpack and then they can find one that meets exactly their needs. You know, shoes I've found to be a little trickier, especially if you want something to kind of cover all your bases. So pretty much inevitably, you're going to have at least two pairs of shoes, you know, one on and, and one in the bag. So making sure that you have something light to to be able to pack away is is pretty important. What are other problem spots? Shoes are a big one. What are some other problem spots that people have that you've been able to figure out a way to say, well, if you a get, get something that's a little different than the thing you have or cut down on this, you know, where else can people find the space if they're packing a carry-on? 
Yeah. So another big space eater is anything kind of thick or bulky. So that could be a hoodie, a sweater, um, a lot of jackets that are thicker, that sort of thing that, you know, they, they seem thin enough when you're wearing it, but all of a sudden you roll it up and go to stick it in your bag and, you know, it's eating up uh, six inches of vertical space. So what I recommend there is for people to, especially if you're in cooler, cold climates, to pack, to dress in layers. So rather than having your big heavy jacket, plan around having, let's say, some t-shirts as kind of your base layer, or if you're going to be in any warmer climates, and then you could have maybe a thinner long sleeve shirt rather than a big, huge sweater, and then maybe a thinner jacket, say like uh, something thinner fleece, or if it's cold, uh, some of the, there are some down jackets that pack up pretty small so that, you know, you're wearing, let's say, three or maybe even more thin layers where you can kind of break them down, pack just part of them, rather than having one huge item that you have to lug around that, you know, even if you're wearing is another thing that, like we talked about earlier, you have to be thinking about and carrying around whenever you're not wearing it. Yeah, super important, super important. And I just did this, you know, I get emails like, okay, Trav, that's great. I could pack in a Karen if I'm going to Thailand because I need shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops and nothing else. And and the the common refrain is, what if I'm going somewhere cold or what if I'm going to multiple destinations and various climates? And so I actually had to do this when I went to China. We went up to Beijing. We were in China in March. So we went from literally below freezing in Beijing to when we were down in Yangshou, which is right by Vietnam, to literally being 75 and 80 degrees. So it ran the whole gamut of temperatures and climate zones. And so it was actually a really great exercise for me because we were packing for literally three seasons because then we were in another place where it was like fall-ish, right? Like it was like 50s. So we really needed to do it. And layering is the only way to have gotten that done because I have my t-shirt. So cool. When it's warm out, I'm just wearing that. Then we go to the other place, long sleeve tee, maybe, you know, like a, a soft shell type thing. And then, you know, the coldest part, I actually, I like your recommendation of a down jacket. I had not had one before and I knew I was going to need something that would keep me very warm, like below freezing temperatures. And um, I got a down jacket. I got a Columbia one. You know, there's tons of brands out there, but I got a Columbia one. It was probably... 50 bucks and you would be so amazed at how warm it keeps you but you can bunch it up and it's literally no bigger than maybe a sweater maybe even smaller than a sweater so you know if you get a regular size winter jacket that that will take up basically your whole bag right fred so getting the down one is super important i think yeah and if you're layering underneath that with you know a t-shirt and then a thinner long sleeve shirt or even two of one of those layers, then then you don't need the jacket to be doing kind of all the work of keeping you warm because you've got these other layers underneath. Yeah. And one of the things too, people kind of forget, and I don't advocate spending money just to spend money. I'm, I'm never that way. But if you're going somewhere for a long time, you can consider buying something there. So for example, I didn't bring a wool hat with me to China, but it got cold and I'm like, I would like a wool hat for these seven days. So I bought a wool hat and it was you know, like two bucks. And yeah, it wouldn't have taken up a ton of space in my bag. But I think that's where people kind of have the mistakes with like, well, this doesn't take up a ton. I'm going to put this in and, neither does it, and then it builds, builds, builds. So, you know, then I had a wool hat and I could choose to either try to shove it in my bag and take it home or, you know, give it away or, or leave it at the hostel for whoever, you know, whatever it is. So, 
I, I think that's another thing that people don't think about. Obviously, you don't want to go spend like $100 on a jacket, then not bring it with you and spend $100 somewhere else, but you can get stuff anywhere. Yeah, and it's typically going to be cheaper than what you'd pay for it at home. Another thing that I actually did on a trip, uh, and the, the situation you described of going to multiple climates on one trip is definitely the hardest situation to pack for. When I, I spent about three months in Australia, and it was kind of fall there, so I had a light jacket, it was totally fine. But then went down to Queenstown, New Zealand for a few days where it was snowing and extremely cold. So I needed, I basically needed a winter jacket for like three to five days or so, which isn't an ideal situation. But what I ended up doing was went to a sporting goods store. I did it in Australia, but maybe could have uh, also been in New Zealand and saved carrying it there, but bought a jacket, just a, a cheaper one that I knew would keep me warm for a few days. And when I got back to Sydney, I sold it to someone else who's going to be going to New Zealand and pretty much broke even on it. So ended up working out well, had a jacket and pretty much spent no money in the process. Yeah, that's that's perfect. I have only met one person who has told me like they can't pack and carry on. And actually, I, I had to relent and say, I do agree with you. You probably can't pack and carry on for this trip. Although they said they never could. And I said, that's not the case. But it was Dave and Deb from the Planet D and they've been on this show. And they're like, Travis, we can't pack on a carry on. We're going to Antarctica. They have these huge jackets with like the fur hoods. You know, they were actually like ice climbing. So like we have to bring all this gear that I didn't even know what it was. And I was like, okay, okay, like I'll back <laughs> off. But I mean, that's extreme cases for most people. I, I would say 99% of people and 99% of trips you can pack in a carry-on. And one of the reasons I like the Tortuga, we're talking general carry-ons here, but I want to talk a little bit about the Tortuga itself. And that's because of the way that you guys set it up. So we already talked about the front loading versus the top loading being the main key. But there are some other little things that you've put on the Tortuga because you got to design it yourself off of the fact that you had a backpack you didn't like. And so you got to put in everything you wanted in it. Tell us a little bit about a few of the other features, and then I'll jump in with the ones that I found especially handy for my experience. Sure. So a big one, which is typically missing from most hiking bags, is a laptop pocket. Obviously, people aren't typically going to bring their laptop into the into the outback and the outdoors. That was something that was really important to us. You know, we definitely travel with with our computers, and you know, a lot of people whether they work for themselves or work for someone else, uh, often have a computer or a laptop or tablet, something with them when they travel. You know, it's a little hard to get away from from all of your gadgets. So we wanted to make sure that we had one and also very important that it was easy to get in and out at security. You know, for a lot of people, that's still kind of a hassle that you have to go through security unless you have TSA PreCheck or, you know, one of these new programs. You're still typically taking your computer out and back in when you go through airport security. And then, you know, of course, you might need it on the plane if you're doing work or watching a movie or something like that on it. So having that pocket was was a pretty big one to us. And then aside from that, we also want to make sure that people had this kind of a delicate balance between enough pockets to keep some of your stuff organized and separated, but not so many that you have to check each one to remember where stuff is, which I, I've definitely found with some other bags. So we have a couple pockets on the outside. You know, those are great for anything that you might need while you're walking around. Sometimes I put chargers in it, but, you know, good for maps and guidebooks, an umbrella, a water bottle, any of that sort of thing. And then there's also a couple on the hip belt of the Tortuga, which is really nice for any small stuff, loose change, bus tickets, 
even your passport as you're going through security. So you have it kind of right on you and can make sure that no one's grabbing it and you know exactly where it is. Those are probably the three main things I like about the Tortuga, other than the fact that it's front-loading and carry-on size. But the laptop sleeve is really important for me. It's actually why I started using the Tortuga versus the other backpack I had been using was that the other backpack didn't have anywhere to put my laptop other than just in my bag with everything else. So I love that you can, if you guys can visualize this, the the very top of the Tortuga, there's just a little zipper pocket and you can, it zippers into the bag. You know, you open up the little flap and it goes into the bag, but it's just where the laptop sleeve is, which is against your back. So you can just pull it in and out, not have to go through any of the other pockets of your bag. And then those two sides, Side pockets on the Tortuga. I love. I use them for chargers just like you. You know, they, they stick off the bag a little bit and I can put the chargers in there and I know, all right, they're right in that side pocket. I don't have to put them in with my clothes, dig around around my clothes and say, okay, now, you know, where's my charger? Oh, it's at the bottom and, and pull it out. So I couldn't agree more with those two options. I really, really like it. And the, and the hip belt one that you mentioned as well, great to put your passport in so that when you're going through security, you're not just holding it in your hand and you know maybe you put it down or drop it, which I've been known to do. Um, so you just put it in the little slip and, and zipper it up. And then when you get there, you know it's right there on your, on your hip. But you guys are actually doing something else, which I'm very excited about. And you have the Tortuga backpack that's the carry-on size, but you're actually releasing a new smaller version, which is the one that you had in Washington State that I was a bit envious of. Can you talk a little bit about the Tortuga Air? Yeah. So uh, we now have a new bag, which, as you mentioned, called the Tortuga Air, still following the same principles uh, that we've talked about here over the last few minutes with the Tortuga of being within carry-on guidelines, also front opening, spot for your laptop, all of that. But this is actually a bit more scaled down for some different use cases. So we talked earlier about the Tortuga being, uh, it's about 44 liters, just under that 45 liter limit. The new bag, the Air, is 27 liters, but it has an expansion zipper like you often see on suitcases that can take it up to 35 liters. So if you need a little extra space or you're coming home and you have some souvenirs or whatever, you can add a little bit of space to the depth there. And we wanted to create the new bag for a few different reasons, mostly based off of what we were hearing from from customers and prospective customers for the first bag. After we'd been selling Tortugas for a while, we did kind of a big survey to ask people how they travel, where they go, how long, you know, what they're packing, just to learn about their travel style. And even people buying the Tortuga who, you know, are often international travelers, a lot of people use it for backpacking Europe, a couple weeks in Southeast Asia, trips like that. Even those people who are taking those kind of trips were still also taking a lot of domestic trips. So staying within their home country, or I'm sure we have some some folks in Europe just kind of hopping across the border where it's very convenient, and taking these shorter trips, which were more frequent, but also much shorter than the ones they were using the Tortuga for. So instead of, you know, a month in Europe or a couple weeks, these were, you know, two nights, three nights, five nights, that sort of thing, whether it be a road trip, some people were on business trips, or, you know, just wanted to get out of town for a long weekend, those kind of trips. And that was kind of the first first indication that there may be some interest and, and demand for a smaller bag. Yeah. And so you, you built out this smaller bag, and it has much of the same features as the Tortuga in that it has a laptop pocket. Um, it also has the kind of pockets inside. So it doesn't have the pockets on the outside, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Right. Part of the 
the kind of vision and mission for the air was not just to be smaller in general, but also to be lighter, simpler, a little bit more streamlined, going along with what we talked about earlier in terms of mental and physical burden. When you're going from, of course, you need a lot of stuff for a week or multi-week trips. You know, you need some of those little items, but for a long weekend, you know, you need a few changes of clothes, maybe something to entertain yourself on the flight or train ride, whatever it may be. And other than that, you mostly want to travel really light and stay really flexible. So uh, we really wanted to streamline the bag so that you could just kind of grab it and go. Yeah. And one thing that we didn't mention about packing in a carry-on, I th- and I get this a lot, and I'm sure you do too, and this kind of goes right hand-in-hand with the Tortuga and the Tortuga Air being a little different for different types of trips, is I always get, hey, Trav, that's really cool that you can pack in a carry-on if you're going for a week. But what if I'm going for a month or two months or indefinitely? Like I'm literally just, I'm going to backpack indefinitely. I know my answer that I give people. I want to hear what you tell them because a lot of times people say, I can't pack in a carry-on if it's going to be like three weeks because that's impossible. So what do you say to that? It definitely is possible. I've done it. You can you can do a search online and see many, many often travel bloggers who have done it and written about it and done it indefinitely for years. So the biggest thing to kind of wrap your mind around, I think, first is that you don't need every clothing item that you would wear at home over, say, a three-month period. You don't need your entire closet. When you're traveling... Or, All you really need, you're basically packing for one week or one to two weeks, I would say. And you're going to be doing laundry, even though you're on the road. You know, it may not be a glamorous part of a longer term trip, but, you know, it's impossible to pack three months worth of all different clothes and never be doing laundry. You know, what I tell people in a lot of cases, then they start to think, oh, well, now I have to waste a day in a laundromat. And, you know, that's not a very fun part of the trip. But in most places, you can bring enough clothes for, let's say, a week. You know, you can bring even more than that in a carry-on often, but bring enough clothes for a week and, you know, on day six or seven, as most of your clothes are dirty, take them down to a wash and fold. In most countries, that's going to be a couple bucks, really cheap, and go pick it up the next day and you've wasted zero time. You spent a couple dollars and, you know, for that $5 or whatever, you've saved yourself so much mental headache and weight of (laughs) carrying something around for, for a couple months. That's basically what I tell them. I say pack for a week. And it doesn't matter how long you're going for because you pack for a week, you can fit it in a carry-on unless you're like bringing 1,800 pairs of shoes for a week. You know, you can pack in a carry-on if you pack for a week and then you do your laundry. Obviously, there's some tips and tricks to like, and Heather could speak better to this than probably me or you, but you know, oh, get a neutral color that can mix and match. But for guys, it's more just, hey, pack for a week. Same with girls. Make sure you have versatile items. And of course, as you already kind of mentioned, the layering for the climate is the big thing. So, you know, you're going to find yourself wearing the same clothes, you know, again and again, but not to the point that you only have one pair of clothes. You could still have plenty of stuff. And I think if you're being honest with yourself, I know for me, if I look at the stuff that I've worn, it's usually like five or six items, even if I have a closet full of stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty common. And, you know, the other thing you can do to, to extend the time between laundry, 
which some people are really into and some are vehemently against, but is doing just a little bit of hand washing of clothes. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to launder every single item that you have, but even washing a couple pairs of say like socks and underwear or something like that in the sink. And if you buy the right, right kind of fabrics for these sort of things, then they'll dry overnight. So throw them in the sink, spend five minutes washing them, hang them in the shower, let them dry overnight. And then all of a sudden you can go maybe a few more days, half a week or whatever, without having to do that laundry. Because, you know, a lot of your other items, if you're layering, obviously the top layer is not really getting very dirty. So you don't need to wash it every single time that you wear it or, you know, same thing with a pair of jeans, for example. Yeah. So let's go in. I kind of said this in the beginning of the podcast, so I guess we have to do it. But let's um let's go in and talk about your packing list. Like if you were going away tomorrow and you were taking a trip, let's just say to Europe, because that's a very general one and it's fall in Europe. So you have to pack a decent amount of things. Kind of give us the blow by blow of what you would bring. And that'll give people, I think, an idea of, of you know their situation as well and how they can pack in a carry on. Sure. And even before I get into it, we do have, uh, we have an example one on the site, actually separate ones for each bag so that people can rather just wrapping their mind around the number of liters, they can kind of see, okay, here's the actual number of things that I can fit in there. And both of those leave some wiggle room so that you can bring extra stuff depending on what you like. And we've also got some links in there to people who have carried a Tortuga and packed it and written about their packing list. So it's not just from me, there's, you know, people on multi-month trips, there's women, a whole different variety. So you're not just getting my, uh, biased male t-shirt and jeans point of view. <laughs> yeah, a plug for Fred's website real quick for Tortuga. Yes, they sell their products there. They also have a really cool blog where they do do a lot of what we're talking about here. And they do some visual examples of that and some breakdowns and charts of of everything. So we'll link some of the most popular stuff up in the show notes, guys. You can go to extrapackpants.com slash pods, P-O-D-S, find this episode. We'll link all that up. It's sometimes hard to wrap your mind around just, just listening to it, but you guys do a great job breaking it down. So if you if you are interested, definitely head there. But I'll let you go into into your packing list now, your you know, your checklist here. Yeah. The uh actually the one you see on the site was kind of based on what I would bring. So it'll it'll be pretty similar to what you see there. But yeah, I would probably bring, you know, a few pairs of pants, which you can kind of get away with certainly not washing every single time you wear. So, you know, I kind of live in jeans. So that would be that would be the number one. And then maybe a pair of chinos just for some variety. And depending on the weather, if it was gonna be warm enough any of the days, you know, maybe also a a pair of shorts to wear. Then I think when it comes to the other layers, which again, layering, very important, I typically wear a lot of t-shirts. So I would have a nice handful of t-shirts. We recommend a bunch of different brands and, and kinds that are all very plain and will match with everything on the site. So these, those may be some good examples. I also really like merino wool t-shirts, which are, if you, if you've never seen them before, they seem comically expensive versus any other t-shirt, but they're actually really nice. There are a handful of different brands that do them. Icebreaker is one of the more popular. You can find all kinds of different ones online. They're not the itchy wool that many people think of, of like winter clothes. But the nice thing with these, while they do cost more money, unlike cotton, they, they dry a lot faster than cotton. So, you know, if you'd be sweating in it or it got wet or whatever. And the other nice thing with with merino is it's kind of designed for different temperatures, right? So just like a, a sheep has to be wearing uh, all of its wool all the time. If it's cooler out, they'll keep you a little bit warmer. If it's warmer out, 
they'll help you cool off a little bit. And they also repel odors a lot better than some of the performance fabrics of like gym clothes. Yeah, that's a huge one. I've, I've tried that and they're comfortable, but then they start smelling pretty bad. Yeah, they're, I mean, if you're doing something where you're going to be sweating, you know, they're pretty useful in terms of wicking the sweat away from your body, but you need to go and immediately wash that <laughs> shirt because it is going to smell very bad tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we've got, we've got more or less three or four bottoms, you know, jeans, pants, shorts. So maybe let's say, let's say three or four things we're on the bottom, handful of t-shirts. What else? Yeah. Then I'd probably do have a few different options in terms of the next layer, kind of long sleeve stuff. So you mentioned kind of a fall example. So there may be some nights where I would just have, let's say like a thinner button down kind of shirt, like a nicer shirt where maybe you don't even need a t-shirt underneath because it's warm enough out. Then I would also have some shirts that would maybe layer a little bit better. So for when it was cooler. And I also, I was just working on a post and, and mentioned in there, a nice option for men or women is what's called a shirt jacket. So kind of just looks like a button down shirt, but is also a little bit thicker and kind of also is an outer layer. So if the night's not really cold, you know, you can wear that with a t-shirt and can keep you pretty warm, which is a good option. Just be careful that you don't get into really heavyweight flannels where it's going to be taking up a lot of space in your bag. So I'd bring sort of a few different shirts so that I could have the option of either wearing it by itself or laying it more on, on cooler nights and can also do the same. I like to wear, uh, like a, a cardigan, if you can find a thinner, thinner cardigan that's, you know, wool or a nicer material that'll still keep you warm, that's a good kind of mid layer. And then I think for jackets, what I would do for the fall rather than bring, I'm sure you could wear a fleece and not be overheated or too warm, but that can also be a little bit bulky. So I would probably wear a thinner jacket and then just make sure I had one or two of these other layers underneath. That way it's kind of as flexible as possible. And the, the thing with the jacket is you never want to, really be packing it. So you want to wear one that even as the temperature changes, it's never too warm to have on. So say when you're in transit or or whatever, that way you don't have to worry about packing it, right? If you brought your heaviest jacket to account for the coldest that it's going to get, there's also going to be some nights where that's just too much and you need to try and stuff it in your bag. And maybe that's a problem if you're kind of on the move at that time. Yeah. And then you talked about shoes. I think we're on board with shoes in terms of a pair of tennis shoes or, or minimalist running sneakers or whatever it is, a pair of boat shoes slash loafers. And then I usually bring like a pair of leather sandals. I wear the rainbow sandals. I really like them, but that wouldn't even be necessary if you weren't. I kind of bring them as like almost dress, I guess, dressy, quote unquote. You can wear them out and about if you're just going out for a night, if you're not going somewhere with a, a really formal dress code. So those can take place of that. But if someone's not into wearing those type of sandals. As far as like cheap flip-flops, I always just tell people they can buy them wherever they are. I, well, especially if you need cheap flip-flops, you're probably going somewhere on the beach. So pick up a, a, a really cheap pair of flip-flops. It might not make sense to bring them with you. Yeah. Plus then those can, if you're staying at a hostel or somewhere, those can double as, as shower shoes too. Yeah. What then um, about accessories? So we're talking like, we could get in electronics too, but first before we get into that, let's talk about like stuff that people would naturally bring with them. Yeah. So, um, you know, an obvious one, uh, socks, of course, make sure that you're packing those inside of your shoes. Don't waste that potential space in the shoes. Same thing with belts can also fit, fit well inside of the shoes. And some of the options we talked about, you know, if it's, uh, 
some of the boat shoes or women's flats and stuff, you can get away without wearing socks. So if it's not going to be super cold, that's, you know, one less thing you need to worry about bringing. A few different brands there that are good if you want to try, uh, again, getting into some of the wool and different fabrics. Uh, I really like Smart Wool. They make some good socks and have the whole range from kind of the low-cut athletic socks to wear through tennis shoes to uh, higher ones to wear with a pair of boots or something like that. There's also Wigwam, pretty similar brand. They make their stuff in the U.S., also good. And I've heard the brand Darn Tough recommended a few times. I think they're from Vermont and and they have a great name. So I think that's worth a pair right there. <laughs> exactly. What about like towels and other kind of miscellaneous items that people would maybe want to bring with them? Yeah. Yeah. Travel towel is definitely a good one if you're going to be staying, I would say, anywhere other than a hotel. So whether you're staying in hostels, renting an Airbnb apartment, something like that, it's always nice to have uh, your own in case either one isn't provided and they want you to pay for it, which is common at hostels. Or, you know, you get to an Airbnb and just don't like the quality of the stuff they have. Uh, it's also a nice extra option if you're going to the beach or anywhere like that where, you know, maybe you just need something to, to kind of lightly towel off. And there are a bunch of brands that make them. I have one from REI. They also usually come in different sizes, but they're typically kind of a microfiber material. So they feel really thin. They're not, you know, the typical fluffy towel that you're used to, but they do a great job of drying you. And more importantly, they also dry really fast once you're done. And most of them, you can fold them up and pack them up really small. And a lot of times they'll even come with their own little bag that you can stick it in. So um, I had one uh, just the uh, the other weekend when we were both in Washington State. <laughs> yeah, I think we found out that we had, I, I think, the exact same travel towel. I think those are almost as essential as the shoes. If you pack like a regular towel, that, that will take up like a quarter of your bag, if not more. There's no point to do that. The the pack towel ultralight is the one I use. But yeah, any travel towel will do. And they're, you know, they're worth their weight in gold, really. They're, you can get them like 20 bucks and they're going to save you so much room. I guess then the hardest part is, or, or the last part of this packing thing comes with electronics. And obviously, everyone's electronic situation is going to be different depending on what they do and how much they need. But what are you kind of your recommendations on either types of electronics or, or specific brands or kind of your general packing? Here's what you should bring and here's what you shouldn't type stuff. Yeah, I think uh, electronics, uh, oddly, almost more than clothes come down to kind of personal preference and, and what you need. Obviously, if you can pack lighter, do it. You know, if you can get away with a tablet instead of a full laptop, then that's great. You know, pack as light as you can. If you can get away with your phone and don't need either of those, then great, go for it. I think it's also important, uh, you know, some people like to use a packing list or have extras and keep in their bag, but make sure you don't forget any of the accessories that come with yours. So if you're bringing your computer, you know, don't forget the charger or if you're bringing your phone, don't forget the earbuds, whatever it is. So either buy an extra extra one of each of those and just keep it in your bag the same way you can keep the travel towel just leave it in your bag whenever you're not traveling or if you have a packing list just make sure you have those kind of things on your list so you're not forgetting it obviously a kindle is a popular option for a lot of people and a great way to save on bringing a book or two that's one of my bad travel habits is that i still travel with a physical book i I'm not ashamed to admit it. I can't break the habit. Yeah, I can't help it. I just love the physical book. And even if I have a Kindle with me, I just I like the physical book. So sometimes I'll pick one up at a bookstore and say, this is worth putting on my bag for the next four days. And then I'll get rid of it later, give it to a traveler you know, if I get through it or whatever. 
yeah, it, you know, all comes down to, to personal preference and what you're, what you're willing to handle. Uh, another great thing that's good for electronics, especially if you have a couple different things that might need plugged in is to get, they make a few different kinds of mini power strips essentially where there's say two or three outlets. Some of them even have USB ports on them. So that way, especially when you're in a foreign country, let's say you want to charge your phone and your computer, you don't need multiple adapters. You just need this little power strip and then one adapter, and then you can plug each of your things into the, you know, for example, American outlets on the power strip. And I know Belkin makes one. I have one by a company I think called Excel, something like that. But yeah, just gives you a couple couple options to plug into. And then, like I said, usually there's some some USB cords too. So you can power up all your stuff off of one plug from the wall. Yeah, great recommendation. I have one. It's called like a monster to go one. And I know a lot of readers have bought that because I've told them I use it. One thing with that is it has like a bright blue light on it to show that it's plugged in. But of course, at night, it's like a nightlight. And I sit there and think like, who made this design? Me and Heather actually have put tape over it, duct tape, so that it, it doesn't keep us up. So if you get one of those, you know, be aware that, that there might be some weird light on it that you have to cover up. But um, definitely bring one with you, especially if you have a lot of electronics. I would mention as well, a lot of people bring cameras with them. I think that makes sense for some travelers. But I think for others, for a while, me and Heather were bringing along like a regular point-and-shoot Sony camera. And what we found was... This point and shoot, we would just we wouldn't want to carry it around with us when we we're out during the day, right? So we'd have our iPhones and or smartphones, whatever you have, and we'd shoot pictures on that. And we would never take pictures on this point and shoot. Yeah, it's not huge; it doesn't take up a lot of space, but there was no point to have it, you know. And we just brought it because we thought, oh, we need a camera. So if you are someone who doesn't need a camera, now we do a DSLR. We do a lot of travel photography, so now we have a bigger setup, but we use it. But if you're not someone who needs a camera, probably your smartphone's going to be a good enough thing and it's going to save you a decent amount of space. Yeah, I think the uh the point and shoots ended up this kind of weird middle part of the market where they're just not necessary in a lot of cases, you know, either you can upgrade to the DSLR or on the other end of the spectrum just use your phone which you're already going to have on you so it's not an extra thing to carry and phones usually maybe half the thickness of the point and shoot which point and shoots are always like just big enough to not really fit conveniently in your pocket so all of a sudden, now that's something else to have in uh, a bag or whatever that you're carrying. Yeah, for sure. And I know, guys, we mentioned we were going to get into entrepreneurship thing with Fred and creating a uh, real product, but we had so many good tips here. Fred, if you're willing to do it, maybe we can just get you to come on to do a separate show about your entrepreneurial journey and how you created a physical project versus a digital product, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that would be great. All right, because we have tons of packing stuff today. I didn't think we'd geek out that much. What What was I thinking? Of course, we we're going to geek it's out. It's not that a much. glorious part of the travel industry, but it's okay. I I'll be the like you said, the king of this tiny little corner of the travel kingdom <laughs> for sure. And I mean, the the tips and advice you gave are invaluable. I know that I've taken a lot of stuff that you've said, taking it to heart, packed in just to carry on. We've done probably seven or eight trips with our Tortuga now. You know, trips, like I said, running the range of from freezing cold to tropical and everything in between. And, you know, I've been able to do it. Heather Paxson, just to carry on now, she's been able to do it. Maybe that'll be another show getting her opinion on a carry on. Obviously, she's much more fashionable than both Fred and I. You guys can't see us on Skype, but we can see each other. We know the real truth. So, Fred, I, I really appreciate you coming on uh, the show. You know I'm a huge fan of your bags and everything you guys are doing at Tortuga. I want to give you a second to tell people 
how they can come find you. I mentioned the blog. There's awesome stuff there. But I also want them to know if they're interested in getting a Tortuga backpack or if they're interested in the Tortuga Air, the new stuff you have coming out. How can they find you? How can they order it? How can they check it out? All that good stuff. Yeah. And thank you for, for having me on. And we, we definitely really appreciate all the, the support you've offered and love that, uh, love that you like your bag. But yeah, if you want to check out more about us, uh, you can just go to our website. It's tortugabackpacks.com. T-O-R-T-U-G-A. It's the Spanish word for turtle, uh, which you'll see in our logo if you haven't seen it before. And then yeah, check out the site. We've got the Tortuga is about to be restocked in the next couple of weeks. So depending on when this episode comes out, that'll be kind of mid-October to early November. We'll have uh, a new, new batch, three times the size of the last one. So Hopefully, availability shouldn't be an issue. And the air is now up on the site for pre-sale. Uh, if you get in with the first batch of those, those will be shipping in January of 2015. If you want kind of a smaller, lighter bag, and if you're traveling for shorter periods of time, I don't know if you um, have mentioned it, but we do have a deal for all of your listeners. If you use the coupon code PEANUTS, P-E-A-N-U-T-S, all capitals, then you get 10% off your order, regardless of what you order or how many you order? Yeah, so if you buy a hundred bags, guys, you're getting ten percent off a hundred bags. Although you, there, there may not be enough in stock. I know a lot of you have picked up the Tortuga based on recommendations I've given in podcasts or, or packing lists and stuff like that that we've done. So we really appreciate it. I am a huge fan of my Tortuga. I know because you guys have emailed me that you guys are fans of your Tortugas as well. So awesome stuff with that. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward, Fred, to you getting more in stock because I've been getting questions of, hey, I want that bag. How can I get it? So really interested in having some of the, the people who have been emailing me. You can get the Tortugas now and the Tortuga Air really really cool that you are coming up with a a scaled down version a smaller version and you have stuff on your website correct of you know comparing and and really good pictures to compare and contrast the differences to help people make the decision that that's best for them right yeah if you go to uh either of the product pages for either of the bags there's some description of kind of who it's ideally for what kind of trips that sort of thing and um there's also a link in on both pages that'll take you to a comparison page so you can see one person wearing each bag so you can kind of see for for differences in scale on different kinds of heights of people that sort of thing you can see a picture of the bags right next to each other and uh you know we've got a couple charts all kinds of information for you to kind of weigh which is the ideal bag for you and it was very important to us to make them different enough that with a little bit of guidance, that would be very clear to people. Awesome. Well, Fred, thanks again for coming on. Guys, don't forget, if you are interested, use the code PEANUTS, all capital letters, to get that discount. Fred, I can't wait to hang out again in person. Hopefully, though, it's on the West Coast again and not in Pittsburgh. Yeah, let's let's definitely do that. Thanks, Fred. Thanks, Charles. Hey guys, I hope after listening to this episode that Fred and I have convinced you to pack just in a carry-on, to give it a try. I have actually just finished packing in my Tortuga backpack, just a carry-on, for a five-month trip from Italy. Then we're going to go to Southeast Asia, Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, Vietnam. We might bump down to Australia and New Zealand. So if I can do it, if Fred can do it, if Heather can do it, then you guys can do it too. I urge you, give packing and carry-ons a try. Once you go there, you're never going to go back to a lot of luggage again. It's just so much easier. It's going to save you money. 
everything like that. And if you are interested in finding the right carry-on bag for you, check out TortugaBackpacks.com. They have the Tortuga Air coming out, which is a much smaller bag. As Fred mentioned, they also have the regular Tortuga, which is the one that I carry around with me all over the world. Make sure if you go and you purchase a Tortuga backpack to use the code PEANUTS, all capital letters, P-E-A-N-U-T-S. We have everything linked in the show notes. You can find that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash carryon. So that will have a link to everything Fred's talked about. That will also have a link that will go to Tortuga backpacks. If you buy a backpack through my link, I will get a little bit of kickback through Tortuga. And of course, remember, you should put in the discount code PEANUTS, all capital letters, you'll be getting 10% off any of the bags that you buy. If you buy multiple bags, anything like that, 10% off your entire order. So extrapackofpeanuts.com slash carryon. You can go there for all the show notes. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know in the show notes. Also, if you want to leave a comment, if you have a Tortuga, what you like about it, or if you have any questions about packing and carry-on, Fred and I will get to those questions as well. Thank you, everyone, for all the support. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. It's so awesome to be able to record these podcasts five times a week for you. I'm just so excited about all the episodes we have coming out, all the feedback we have for you. Just a really, really fantastic. You guys are great listeners. So thank you very much. And of course, until tomorrow, happy free travels. <laughs>